Genesis 21, verses 8 to 21. Hagar and Ishmael sent away. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out the slave woman with her son, for the son of this slave woman shall not inherit along with my son Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you, for it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named after you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bowshot, for she said, Do not let me look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran and his mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. Matthew chapter 10 verse 24 to 39. Jesus said, a disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his own household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground, unperceived by your father. Even the hairs of your head are all counted. So... Do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows.
Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be the members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. I want to begin by sharing a testimony. A while ago, I was walking across a field, just enjoying the surroundings. As I walked, I felt a tickle on the back of my neck and without thinking, I reached back and removed what was a loose hair and let it fall to the ground. An entirely ordinary, natural, inconsequential occurrence. Except I was not walking alone. I was consciously walking with Jesus that day, enjoying his company. Neither of us were talking, just enjoying. To my surprise, as I removed the hair, Jesus broke the silence and said, counted. I was quite taken aback, but also felt deeply known and valued and loved in that precious moment. I was humbled and in awe of our holy God. In our gospel reading, Jesus says to his disciples, even the hairs of your head are all counted. Wow, I don't know how many hairs there are on my own head, let alone the head of someone I care deeply about. And although we humans are made in God's image, God is clearly entirely other. God is the extraordinary, holy and almighty creator of all things. And in mysterious ways that I cannot understand, God's love is so immensely powerful and holy and unending that he can know, really deeply know, you and me so intimately that he knows how many hairs are on my head and your head. That's the truth of our God. Today, I believe our holy God wants each of us to be reminded of his love. God loves you. God knows everything about you and he still loves you. If you take nothing else on board today, hold on to that truth. For the curious amongst us, we might ask why Jesus reminded his disciples at that point of God's tender supernatural arithmetic. In turn, why are we reminded of God's tender love and intimate knowledge of us? 
because in both cases, it's a reassurance not to be afraid. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, and even the hairs of your head are all counted. So, do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. How encouraging. But from what does Jesus not want his disciples, you and me, to be afraid? It is not just so we can be confident little Christians, not so we can feel warm and fuzzy and safe, but we are saved and instructed to be unafraid for a purpose. Ever since the beginning, God created people for the purpose of love and for us to be in harmonious relationship with our God and one another. Through the freedom of love, we know humanity repeatedly chooses independence from Holy God, idolising and prioritising ourselves in various guises over the generations. God's love for people was sometimes spurned, sometimes misunderstood, sometimes abused. Nevertheless, throughout scripture, God's mission has been for blessing through holy reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and God and between us and our neighbour. He called his people to partner in his mission. Through faith and obedience, Abraham and Sarah were promised many descendants who were purposed with God's mission of reconciliation to be a blessing to all nations. In our Old Testament reading today, we join Abraham's testimony at a tricky junction. He is feeling torn between love for half of his family versus obedience to God. Let us remember that Ishmael was born to Hagar, Sarah's slave, because Abraham and Sarah had become impatient with waiting on God to fulfil his promise of a child through Sarah. So they tried to make the promise happen by their own plans instead of waiting obediently. Deep down, they were distrusting God's word and prioritising independent works from God, not dissimilar to their forebears or our tendencies today, bowing to human judgment instead of God's. We all can feel impatient with God's timing, doubt his word, fear other people's reactions, then try to avoid his mission or force good works from our own initiative. It's a form of idolising ourselves, of thinking we know best, upholding our ways, our priorities, our needs, the way we've always done things. But we don't even know how many hairs are growing out of our own head. How absurd to think we would prioritise our will over that of a holy God. Despite this human pride, God is merciful to Abraham and to us. God's heart to bless does not grow weary. He still pursues his mission. In this episode, God restores Abraham and Sarah to his plan for their son, Isaac, to be the carrier of the promise. And in turn, as Mary described last week, 
as we share in Abraham's faith in the one true God revealed in Jesus, we are spiritually descendants of Abraham. We are carriers of the promise by faith to share in being a blessing to all nations through Jesus. This is God's ongoing mission. What does mission look like for us? The Church of England teaches that there are five marks of mission, of being a blessing. We will each have a strength in one area, but we are all called to be missional in all five areas. They are to proclaim the good news of the kingdom, to teach, baptise and nurture new believers, to respond to human need by loving service, to seek to transform unjust structures of society, to challenge violence and bring reconciliation, to strive to safeguard the integrity of creation. In lockdown, mission through loving service is flourishing. In this season, churches worldwide are reporting an increased thirst for the knowledge of God's love. Don't be surprised if God uses you to answer questions about your faith, to share the good news of Jesus with others. That's part of this season's mission, get ready. Also in this season, the Spirit of God is revealing the ugliness of hidden racial prejudices and that perhaps we were unaware of. This season's mission is also to examine our own hearts, repent, and respond in ways that partner with God's heart to be a blessing to all nations. Abraham's obedience to God divides his family. Jesus warns his disciples that wholehearted obedience to his mission will cause division and be costly. This division is caused not by a believer's hatred, but by their love, love that is rejected and despised. We cannot be surprised if we experience division. We don't need to seek this division or long for it or glory in it, but Jesus reminds us that we do need to expect it. Jesus and his gospel bring division between those who embrace him and those who reject him. God's mission to be a blessing to all nations has always brought division between those who bow in awe to God who knows every hair on their head versus those who idolise independence. As a word of encouragement from Abraham's case, he obeys. There's division. Abraham knows God's loving faithfulness to bless, so he intercedes for Ishmael. Ishmael's heart is stirred and he cries out to God, and God also blesses Ishmael and his descendants abundantly. A vast people group today draw their ancestry from Ishmael. I have known people who have prioritised obedience to God over appeasing their family, then persevering in prayer, 
their family has received blessing and favour and reconciliation in a way that only obedience could release. I'm not saying this always happens, but I have seen it happen. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. If we choose obedience to Jesus's mission, it will cost us. Love without cost is not love at all. Jesus demonstrated that on the cross. Let us remember his immense love for us cost him everything. Jesus implores his disciples in today's reading to follow his example. Whoever does not take up the cross, the cost, and follow me is not worthy of me. Cost may be for us in the form of division. In some countries, the cost is brutal persecution or death. For us, it's more subtle uh, in this season. The cost may be to our time, our dignity, our finances, our habits, our hidden prejudices, our lifestyle. Loving missional obedience costs. But oh, the reward is indescribably good and immeasurably lavish and eternal. Because it comes from a God who cares enough to count the hairs on your head and to give up his son to die for us. Jesus promises those who lose their life for my sake will find it. We must therefore not let fear of division or ridicule or cost hinder our wholehearted obedience to partner in God's message in God's mission to be a blessing it is for mission that Jesus is reminding us of God's extraordinary knowledge and love of us it is for obedience to his mission that Jesus is commanding us not to be afraid. As I always like to conclude with a blessing. Today I shall use a blessing for those being sent out in ministry and missions. May the boldness of the Spirit transform you. May the gentleness of the Spirit lead you. May the gifts of the Spirit equip you to serve and worship God. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with you and with those for whom you pray today and always. Amen. It being Father's Day, let us make this the subject of our prayers today. Blessed are you, Lord our God, creator and redeemer of all. From the beginning, we have known you as Father, and all our families have their origin in you. Through the love of earthly fathers, 
you give us a glimpse of your everlasting love. We give thanks for those fathers who strive to balance the demands of work, partners and children with an honest awareness of both joy and sacrifice. And we pray for those fathers who, lacking a good role model for a father, have worked to become good fathers. We thank you for those fathers who, by their own account, were not always there for their children, but who now offer those children, fully grown, their time, love and encouragement. We give thanks for those fathers who, despite separation or divorce, have remained in their children's lives, and for those fathers whose children are fostered or adopted and whose love and support have brought healing where needed. We thank you for those fathers who, as stepfathers, have freely chosen the responsibility of fatherhood and over time have earned their stepchildren's love and respect. And we ask for your special blessing on those fathers who have lost a child to death and who continue to hold that child in their hearts. We give thanks for those men who have no children, but to cherish the next generation as if they were their own. We thank you for those men who have fathered us in their role as mentors and guides. And we ask for your blessing on those men who are about to become fathers. May they experience joy and a sense of fulfilment in their new role. Finally, we pray for those fathers who have died, but who live on in our memories and whose love continues to nurture us. May the love of our earthly fathers draw us ever nearer to you and perfect in us the image of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.